You're listening to Bits of Me, the podcast about women's bodies, all the things we should know about them and all the stories behind them. I started this podcast in frustration after hearing too many women express how embarrassed, lonely and let down they felt when they discovered that they were suffering from common health conditions and complications they'd never even heard about. Bits of Me is a space for working through the embarrassment, fighting the loneliness airing frustrations and anger, and finding community. We shouldn't need to feel lonely. This is one space where we can talk and share whatever bits we want without censoring ourselves. In this episode, I talk to Rebecca Flynn. She's not just a friend and old campaigning buddy of mine, but also an opinionated mammy and a fat-positive feminist. This chat is about something she went through a few years ago, when she lost a baby to a so-called missed miscarriage, something she feels we need to talk about more. So I I was just looking back at your Instagram, actually, just to figure out when it was I first met you. Oh, yeah. Um, And it was... February 2016, which means that I think Frank must have been like a year and a half or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking back to, obviously, I know a little bit of the ins and outs of your uh, journey with pregnancies and everything. But at that point, obviously, you had one kid. Did you know then that you were hoping to have another one? Like 100% knew I wanted another child, but hadn't started trying yet at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so, so that was in 2016, you had a toddler and what happened after that? Um, so yeah, we hadn't, hadn't started trying because Frank still, like he slept, abs- he just didn't sleep until he was two. So I was like, so strung out. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, we're not doing this again until we're getting some decent sleep. Um, so then we started trying that summer, summer of 2016. And... I thought that I would get pregnant quickly because that's what happened with Frank. Like I, we said, we said we'd start trying and I got pregnant like literally the first time we tried, um, which was, you know, obviously so lucky and fortunate, but, um, then with the second time round, yeah, we started trying this summer and nothing was happening for months and months. And it kind of got to the next, it kind of got to the following spring of 2017. I was starting to get worried that I might have um, secondary infertility. Um, my mother actually had started the menopause in her late 30s. So right. very early menopause. Um, and it's hereditary apparently so I was kind of yeah aware of that as well but then kind of mid to late March 2017 I found out I was pregnant so yeah delighted so, <laughs> I, was I delighted. mean I, I know what it's like to try uh, for lack of a better term for a very short amount of time mm-hmm. now um when when I was going through that, it was after having lost a baby. And obviously at that, you know, when you're in that place, um, yeah, I mean, getting pregnant is like it becomes an obsession very quickly. But I'm assuming that at this stage, if you'd been trying after getting pregnant really quickly the first time and you'd been trying them for what, like eight or nine months, you yeah. must have 
Like, did you get to that stage where it was just awful? <laughs> no, like, I didn't get to the point where, like, getting my period made me, like beyond upset or anything I think if it had gone to a year then I probably would have started freaking out Mm. and looking into getting my levels tested and my eggs and all that stuff I don't even know what the tests are called Uh, (laughs) a few friends and people close to me have had them done and um but I was lucky that I didn't need to have anything like that done um but yeah so I Found out, yeah, by the, I it happened at just the right time. I'd say I was teetering. I'd say I was teetering on the brink. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you got pregnant and it was all happy days. Happy days. Um, decided not to tell any family or friends, even though I would be um, pro telling people whenever the hell you want to. Yeah. Um, and just but I decided not to tell anyone because I, t- <laughs> I told my parents straight away when I was pregnant with Frank and asked them not to tell anyone and they both told loads of people they're like I only told so-and-so but then I also told so-and-so <laughs> and I was like oh stop telling people so we decided we just keep it to ourselves I think probably because we've been trying for quite you know I've, I feel it's terrible saying we've been trying for quite a while when it was only actually like eight months because some people yeah. try for years and years but yeah. for me it felt like a long enough time so yeah. I uh, just we decided to keep it to ourselves and um, so yeah I was pregnant I knew I was pregnant for about five or six weeks before I found out that I'd miscarried so what was it that happened that made you you went to get seen or how did you find out on all three of my pregnancies now I've gone to get the harmony test done yeah um, so the harmony test is what exactly so it's like an early screening to find out whether there's any sort of abnormalities for want of a better term and yeah um I have that with the, all my pregnancies and so I booked in for one and I, it's weird. I didn't consciously feel like something was wrong, but one night I had a horrible nightmare that I was sitting on the toilet bleeding out. Oh, wow. And when I woke up the next morning, I said to Jim, I was like, I'm going to ring the the private clinic, the, the private practice that we were going to for the harmony test. There's a place up in the beacon. <clears throat> I said, I'm going to ring them um, to see if I can move the test forward because it was supposed to be the following week. I think I was 10 weeks pregnant and I was, yeah, I was due to have it the following week. So at 11 weeks. Mm. And um, I was like, I just want to move it forward just for the peace of mind because I was so unsettled by that nightmare. Mm. Um. But yeah, it was obviously like my body communicating something to me because then we went, they were able to push it forward to the next day. Yeah. So that was like the Tuesday. So we went in on the Wednesday morning and at that point it was the 10th of May. I will never forget the date. They were doing the ultrasound and then she was like, oh, I'm just going to go and get the... So it was a 
a sonographer or a nurse, I'm not sure which, was doing. And then she said, oh, I'm just going to go and get the doctor. And she went and got the doctor. And then they were like, we're just going to do an internal one. And it was then that they were like, I'm really sorry. There's, you know, the baby's, there's no heartbeat. And the baby's measuring at about seven weeks. Mm. So you were about 11 weeks at this point? Ten. Or would have been, yeah, okay, would have been about 10. 10 weeks. Um, so obviously the ba- the fetus baby, however people prefer to refer to it, I, I'm still unsure myself, but um, had uh, stopped surviving at seven weeks. Mm. Yeah. And what what happens in a situation where you go in for that kind of test and they tell you this? What do they... What do they say to you and what kind of support do you get or, or what happens next? Well, it was in a private clinic and it was just really weird. So the um, the doctor is actually the doctor who owns and runs this private clinic actually is a consultant in the coon as well. And he's very nice. But he said to me, do you want me to call? Because I haven't gone, I hadn't gone into the coom yet at all. Yeah, so you weren't registered. No, I wasn't even registered. And this is where I ended up kind of falling through the cracks and having an absolute logistical administrative shit fest. He said to me, do you want me to ring the coom and tell them that you need to go to the early pregnancy unit, blah, blah, blah. And I can send on, I can send on this scam but I was so shocked and so upset. I literally just was like, no. And ra- I ran out of the place mm. and just like ran back to her car and was like screaming, crying. And was having this response that I never expected to have. You just don't know beforehand you, how you're going to react. I remember saying to my husband, Jim, I said that like I would have always thought that I would have been quite pragmatic or whatever, real like realistic about a miscarriage Mm. that I would have been like you know it's shit but maybe it happened for a reason yeah let's move on Mm. (laughs) like no no not at all like you you, like it's unbelievable how attached you get to yeah. a life growing inside you like you you know yourself you've had you had a really sad loss and you know you just I don't know like I, I, I have I just have this huge sort of shocked reaction of like I've I've never experienced anything like that and I've been fortunate in my life that I nobody extremely close to me like no immediate family has died so I haven't experienced Mm. that kind of gut-wrenching grief before but I would imagine this is something close to it or and I also I also think it's like every experience with grief is different depending on where you are in life and how you are and yeah looking back now I don't think that I was in a great place anyway no like mentally mentally so I like I you know I was coming off the back of intense sleep deprivation just like your first time parenting is 
and like I'm a highly sensitive person and my <laughs> eldest <laughs> child is a highly sensitive child and like definitely has like high needs and it was just this like I think I was a bit traumatized from it all yeah and then you also ran the body positivity Instagram account which grew to become huge and you were almost like a public figure there for a while you know you were naked in the papers and stuff I know Um, (laughs) and I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I remember you having quite a tough kind of coming out of that as well when you decided that you just weren't able for it anymore because you were putting so much time and effort into that was that around the same time or just yeah it was all around it was all in around the same time because I remember I found out I was pregnant the day before I did a bikini body positive bikini shoot thing for the Cindo. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that was all kind of taking off as well, and I became this kind of like accidental <clears throat> face for body positivity in Ireland. Like I never intentionally yeah. sought it. Um. It just kind of happened, and then, uh. Yeah, I, I, after I had the miscarriage, I wanted to completely move away from that and decenter myself and not be a public figure for want of a, I was like, like I was hardly famous, but like, I just didn't want to be in the public eye at all. But, um, but also there must have, I mean, I know that body positivity is kind of a term that I suppose you probably moved away from a little bit. It's not so much about loving your body, but more about body neutrality, neutrality perhaps. But I mean, I imagine that having gone through the miscarriage where you were at with, I was pretty pissed off with my body. (laughs) Yeah. I was pretty pissed off with it. I was like, how am I supposed to be body positive when you fucking did this thing? And then like the, added insult that is a missed miscarriage where you know I didn't even know that this thing existed yeah I didn't know that missed miscarriage was a thing when I thought about miscarriage and this is like as a 30 so 2017 as a 36 year old woman uh, who'd had a pregnancy this was on her second pregnancy and Mm. whose mother worked in the well woman clinic (laughs) And as a crisis pregnancy counsellor, you know, and was involved in Parents for Choice and all of these things, thought I knew everything about maternity care and pregnancy and women's bodies. And then I found out that there was this thing that happens. And I think as far as I know, there, if not more, at least as common as a miscarriage where mm. the where you lose the fetus and the, you bleed out. So just to explain that, a missed miscarriage is where the baby stops growing or dies. Yeah. Um, and then nothing happens. Like a lot of women report that they lose symptoms. Okay. They, they mightn't have as bad morning sickness. And I definitely didn't have the same morning sickness that I had in my other two pregnancies. Yeah. That went to full term and produced two gorgeous boys. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and presumably you don't know why this happened because it was no. so early that they just, no, they don't know. They don't know. Um, you know, 
the under wouldn't have been, wouldn't have, it was, yeah, I was, the, the, the fetus was seven weeks, so they wouldn't have done any tests or anything like that. No. So, so going back to what you described as the, the shit fest or shit show of the coom or the maternity care that you didn't get because you weren't yeah. registered. What happened after you ran out to the car screaming, crying? Oh, Jesus, like, I kind of feel like I've blocked a lot of it out. Like, that's always yeah. been a, like a, a coping method of mine. of just like, I don't remember because it was horrible. But um, I do, you know, I... I wrote a lot of stuff down, actually. So I contacted the coom the next day. I rang the early pregnancy unit and they were like, the the private clinic has nothing to do with us. Uh, we'll have to, like, I don't know, diagnose the miscarriage ourselves. So you'll have to come in. You'll have to be booked in for a scan, come in. Wait. Hmm. So, so I went in and I waited in the early pregnancy unit, and they wouldn't give me a time slot for a scan. And I said, "Can Professor Daly, the doctor that I had been dealing with, email you the scan from his clinic?" And they said no. And I was like, "But he's a consultant here." Yeah. And they said no. And then they were kind of were sending me from pillar to post, like, hmm. and nobody was really giving me. A straight answer I was in there for the guts of a day um and I was really upset and I was like understandably yeah and nobody was treating me with any sort of kindness or anything mm. there was lots of like irritated sighs and like feeling like I was uh, being hysterical um, yeah because I was getting upset and then then they brought me into the emergency room and at that point I'd been told yeah you're being brought into the emergency room and they oh I lied that's what I ended up doing I ended up lying and saying that I was having really bad cramps even though I wasn't yeah because yeah. I was just like I don't know what else to do and a friend who's a midwife I was texting her back and forth and she told me to d- to say that hmm then we went in and um a nurse in there did like palpations and stuff and she said that they'd organize a scan for me and then they didn't they said that I'd have to wait at that point they told me I'd have to wait four working days and at this stage it was a Thursday oh god so I wouldn't have been able to come in until the following Tuesday or Wednesday oh god it's like that's a week after I found out before yeah. I can even have a fucking scan. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, excuse my language. But um, So you're walking around then and nothing has happened other than you have found out that you're not having this baby. Yeah. And you, you're not bleeding, you're not losing it, it's still there. Nothing. Yeah. Like literally mm. nothing happening. And um, so when I got out of the hospital, I was really upset and I went on to Snapchat and I had a Snapchat for the body positive thing. And I ended up telling Snapchat, I was like, oh, you know, I was obviously going to share my pregnancy. I hadn't told anyone I was pregnant. I was obviously going to share my pregnancy. So why shouldn't I share that I'm ha- I've had a miscarriage? Yeah, I said that and then I burst out crying and then said like that the coom were failing me, that the maternity system was failing me because nobody like... You know, first of all, I'm sitting in a waiting area surrounded by 
like pregnant women all waiting yeah. for their nice appointments. Yeah. And which to be honest, I have to say this because this is the thing that so many women have pointed out to me that that really upset them. That didn't upset me, but it could upset someone. Mm. It, yeah. it it didn't it didn't affect me really negatively in that like that I was like oh look at them they're really happy I just just the being hooshed around and nobody no no there was no compassion like being treated like I was an ir- like I was irritating them and yeah that I was a harpy you know um yeah. so I went on Snapchat really upset talking about this. And a woman who followed me on Snapchat turned out to be the deputy head of midwifery in the Rotunda. And I didn't know that that's what she did for a living. I knew she was a midwife in the Rotunda, but I didn't know that. Yeah. She sent me a message in reply to me like, bawling, crying on Snapchat. Like on one hand, I'm like mortified. And then on the other hand, I'm like, well, you know what? sharing got me the care that I needed in the end. Yeah. So she sent me a message and said, Rebecca, there's an appointment booked for you at the early pregnancy unit tomorrow morning in the Rotunda if you want to take it. Wow. At 11am or whatever. And she was like, um, the doctor, uh, a registrar will see you there. At this point, I decided also that I wanted a D&C. Mm. So I had been told in the coom to just, well, this is the thing, like to talk about lack of compassion, there was also just kind of cruelty as well. Like you're not the first woman to have a miscarriage, I was told. Did somebody say that to you? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <sighs> wow. And then somebody said, you know, just get in the bath and ble- once you start bleeding, just get in the bath and bleed out and get yourself comfortable, make yourself tea and get in the bath. And I was like, I have a toddler at home and my husband mm. works at nighttime. I was like, what if this happens at nighttime and it gets really, really bad? And I'm at home yeah. on my own with a toddler. Mm. My husband could be like f- from one end of the country to the, to the next. Like he's not, it's not like he's just down the road. Yeah. He traveled at the time with his work. So, but they, they just kind of shrugged me off and that was that. But anyway, so yeah, this woman, um, this amazing woman made that appointment for me and I said, yes, I'll, I'll go. And I mean, there's so much about this between the fact that obviously you just so happened to be talking about this on Snapchat and you happened to have the kind of following that you had and she happened to be following you. And she made you this appointment, which... Like, I didn't have, like, a significantly large Snapchat following. But then once I said that I was having a miscarriage, a few other, like, big Snapchatters mentioned me. And then, like, in the space of a few days, 10,000 people started following me. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, either this is really relatable or people just love a tragedy. People are nosy as fuck. But no, I didn't mind. I turned off my replies. I was like, I can't, I can't process having a miscarriage and everything that goes with it. Yeah. So I think at this point it was like the Friday. So I wasn't going in until the start of the next week, which was fine. But I remember 
over that weekend, my husband was really stressed that while he was at work, I was going to actually start miscarrying. Yeah. But I was told, like, I was like, I was told, you know, you could have your miscarriage tomorrow or it could be in three or four or five weeks time. When I was, when I was told that, I was like, I can't wait. And I also was just really like, I just want to fucking get pregnant again. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, get it out of me so I can get my period back and I can get pregnant again. Yeah. That's kind of, then I, I got this kind of single minded sort of, that sounds really heartless, like get it out of me, but. I know, but it sounds also very relatable. Yeah. So I went to the rotunda and in the rotunda, they're amazing. I know they're not perfect and I know people who've had negative experiences, but I know loads of people who've had really positive experiences there. My mum reckons because it's not a Catholic hospital. <laughs> to be fair, I had my dream birth in the coom. So, you know, just it's not all bad. <laughs> no, I, I gave birth to both my kids in the coom and have really positive experiences. So in the rotunda, the EPU, the early pregnancy unit is in a separate building. You don't even have to go into the main hospital. Okay. It's around the back of the hospital in an old building. I went in there and it just so happened that the registrar on duty who saw me was a woman who was in college with my sister that we used to hang around with in our like late teens, early 20s. So I knew her. So it was really nice. And she was just so kind. And she was like, I'm so sorry. And she gave me a big hug. And, and she was like, oh, you know, talked to me about that she'd had a miscarriage and Mm. um yeah it just it felt like there was like real solidarity and like I was being sort of held by the women I saw in that hospital Mm. in a much kinder way yeah but I don't know as part of that projection because I really needed kindness at that point well, I mean, it does sound as if you got the care that you needed and wanted and deserved. So, yeah. So she gave me the scan straight away and was confirmed the miscarriage and then also said to me, the fetus is very large. And I think that it was really misguided of the coon to tell you not to to not offer you a DNC. OK. And to not and to say that you could just miscarry naturally. Mm. at some point because she was saying like I think it would have been a really horrible painful experience okay um and then she explained to me and she was like you basically go into mini labor and yeah yeah um and like we all know the labor sucks <laughs> so it's not something you want to do when you're on your own with a toddler yeah exactly and she was yeah. like she said to me, she was like, like I 100% think you should have the DNC. And mm. um, so anyway, then, yeah, I was booked in for the following day or maybe it was two days later for the DNC. And mm. uh, that was grand. Like, you know, I, yeah. I got knocked out. I had really bad like period pain style cramps afterwards, but... It was done and it was over. Like, I would say I don't really remember the physical pain of it. It was all about the emotional pain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you were grieving 
then like there and then as soon as you found out and or do you yeah, think I was that... really upset but then I was kind of doing okay and we took some of our savings and literally like four or five days after the DNC maybe a week after we went on holidays but then I came home and the day I came home my sister called over and told me she was pregnant oh yeah what was that like shite yeah <laughs> sorry I know it is it's awful isn't it it was and what was worse was how bad I felt about my reaction yeah. to it yeah I was so I was no way happy for her yeah oh I totally understand it's yeah yeah which was a horrible way to feel um and I started crying and she was like, oh, are you jet lagged? <laughs> I was like, I was only in the Canaries, you just. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I started crying and um, yeah, I was really, really upset then. And it just kind of knocked me back a lot. Mm. And, you know, there was no right moment for my sister to tell me, obviously. No. But I was like, I wish I'd known before we went on our amazing holiday. But I'm sure she was, I think she was fretting about when to tell me. And then about a week after my older sister told me she was pregnant, my younger sister told me she was oh. pregnant. Um, but my younger sister told me first before she told literally anyone. Mm. Um, obviously her partner knew, but yeah, um, I kind of cut off contact with my family. No, I didn't completely cut them out of my life, but I just got like, I was really angry and Mm. upset and I wasn't angry or upset. I wasn't angry at them. I was just angry. Yeah. Because I was like, well, if I'd stayed pregnant, I'd be having my baby first. Yeah. It's it's so hard to explain like it's it sounds weird when you put it into words like that but yet it makes so much sense it's but the thing is is that I don't think that there was anything that anybody could have said that was the right thing the only people I wanted to talk to were other women who'd had miscarriages yeah mainly friends but also then like women who'd reached who reached out to me via um social media after I like told social media that I'd had a miscarriage yeah and shared my experience mm. um and found a lot of solace in that as well you can share you can share a lot more with a stranger sometimes than you can with someone close to you mm. um you told me um earlier when we were talking about this you said that you you were really angry about the fact that you'd had this type of miscarriage that you didn't even know existed and the fact that you didn't know. And I think there's something interesting there in how, I mean, I think a lot of women will have experienced that about different things. And I think if you want to talk about something that's really difficult, um, even if it's very common, it's like you're not really meant to because you're going to put the fear in other people or in other women. Yeah. 
Do you think that we need to talk more about miscarriage? Do you think that when you get pregnant, you should get more information? Or how do you think, how do you wish that things were different? I don't know. I just wish women, I just wish it was less taboo for women to talk to each other about, about these things. Like, you, you know, even down to things like breastfeeding and periods and like all the things to do with women's bodies that I feel like we should all be talking about them all the time in in these, like, women's circles. Mm. Um, but that, what what you need with that is community and openness. And I just don't think Ireland is amazing for openness or civic sort of togetherness. Yeah. Mm. I don't, it's not purely cultural, obviously, like there's misogyny the world over, but I don't know, I feel like Ireland has such a deep history of keep suppressing women, oppressing women, mm. um, that we're still in the very, like we're still in the sort of very early stages of starting to be open with each other and people... And lots of people are still really uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, like I remember going after I had my miscarriage, going for physio and my physiotherapist was a woman in her 50s and she nearly died when I told her I'd had a miscarriage. But I thought that I was disclosing something that she might need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she was she's a medical professional. <laughs> But yeah, she was mortified and got all flustered and um, her reaction stood out. Most people, do you know what? Nearly half the people I said to were like, nearly half the women I said to were like, oh yeah, I had a miscarriage, laddie blah, whenever. Mm. Um, and you know, the older women like my aunt or friends of my mother's or whatever, obviously time takes you so far away from it mm. they would still be upset about it because I think yeah. it's remembering how it made you feel at the time mm. and sort of the shock of how the shock of how a miscarriage makes you feel mm. and I yeah I it must be awful to be a person who's had multiple miscarriages I just can't imagine yeah you went on to get pregnant then yes fairly quickly like my second period after that I got back after having the DNC um so yeah I found were you really nervous then yeah the pregnancy was completely sullied by the sort of fear that I was going to have another uh miscarriage Mm. Um, and did you get any kind of support from like through any maternity services to cope with that or I I said in my first appointment I was back at the coom this time I asked for psych- psychological like mental health help because I knew I was so anxious yeah I asked for it at the very beginning of my pregnancy and I got my first appointment when I was seven and a half months pregnant oh god so it took about five months. Wow. That you had to get through yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of, like, 
little mini panic attacks and stuff like that. But yeah, no, all went well and had had a great birth, an amazing midwife. The consultant that I ended up going back to after I had to leave the care of the private midwives for the home birth that I couldn't have because I became high risk um, was really lovely and very like woman focused so yeah I had a I had a very positive experience and Tommy arrived then in end of April 2018 weighing just short of 11 pounds <laughs> <laughs> But I'm sure you have other people to talk to you about incontinence. <laughs> oh, I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. but, but sure, go on. <laughs> we can talk about that all night. God, Jesus. If you started me on the pelvic floor stuff, I wouldn't stop. <laughs> you got more baby than you <laughs> you needed, I was going to say. But you got, got a big baby in the end. Yes, I did. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, all all worked out well and... Um, personally I don't feel like viscerally sad about the miscarriage anymore um, when I think back to that time I think of you know how sad I was at the time but then having Tommy definitely healed that um, but what I do think it did was give me like an understanding and respect for other women who go through that kind of loss and to kind of you know, realise that it, it is, if the woman says it's a big deal, then it is a big deal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was Rebecca Flynn on Bits of Me. If you're struggling after losing a pregnancy, you're not alone. If you need support or advice, you'll find the Miscarriage Association of Ireland on miscarriage.ie, which is a good place to start. You can help others discover bits of me by rating and subscribing to the podcast or by sharing it with friends or on your socials. You'll find the podcast on Instagram as bitsofme underscore podcast and on Twitter as bitsofme underscore pod. Thanks for listening.